0: Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the nation's number one program for you as a family caregiver. There are more than 65 million Americans right now that are putting themselves between a vulnerable loved one and even worse disaster. Maybe it's an aging parent. Maybe it's a special needs child. Maybe your loved one had some type of traumatic event or has some type of disease that has impaired them. Maybe it's mental illness maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's alcoholism. Whatever the chronic impairment, there's always a caregiver. And if that's you, then you're in the right place. And we're glad that you're here. This program is specifically designed to speak to the troubled heart of the family caregiver. And after doing this now for a lifetime, I understand those high-stress places, those despairing places, those fearful places, those guilt-ridden places, those resentful places that we can get to very easily. And if our mind is a squirrel cage, what kind of decisions do you think we're going to make? If the caregiver's heart is in such a mess, how are we going to function in these high-stress moments? And what happens to our loved one if we lose our job? If we become bankrupt or our health starts to fail or we're so emotionally distraught and yet we're still called upon to make business, financial, and long-term decisions. We've got to settle ourselves down and think clearly. But how do you do that as a family caregiver? Particularly when it's just relentless. It never stops. Not just the caregiving but the, the challenges that come from this, there's always a crisis. There's family members or friends that want to sit on the sidelines and tell you how to do it better or tell you what you should have done or tell you why God has done this to you or whatever. All those things kind of gang up on you and beat you down. This show is for you. This show is designed to speak to those issues, and I'm so glad that you're here. Now in my 36th year as a caregiver, it's hard to believe. I've been doing this since the Cold War, the first one. And so I'm bringing a lifetime of this to offer some insights. I've learned every bit of it the hard way. And I want to be able to speak to your heart as well and say, you know what, here's a path through this. Here's what safe ground looks like. You know, one of the things as I've been going through this lengthy surgery with my wife, uh, her 82nd and 83rd. <laughs> we didn't plan on the 83rd, but it jumped in there with us. You ever notice that um, during extended hospital stays, you're, you're surrounded by faceless people because everybody's in mask. And then you got these, these long nights where loneliness and fear serve as your constant companion. How many of you have made that long walk to the hospital parking lot? During those times, it's so easy for us we're prone to this to to feeling uh, disconnected and adrift and and we don't really kind of we, we, we don't feel settled in our spirits and and going through the hospital elevators and all these kind of things that went back and forth and 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 it's just you can get very very disoriented and I know for me that I long for Recognizable landmarks that that signal a safe harbor for me, um, and I and I have to I, I need to re-anchor myself, and I'm finding that I have to re-anchor in a storm. My brother-in-law has a a boat, and he lives on the water down in Florida in a bay, and they have to they can't leave it tied up at the dock when hurricanes come, and so forth. They have to get it out in the water a little deeper, and they have to uh, specially anchor it so it can handle the waves and so forth that coming in and that's what it feels like for us as caregivers we're not able to have the luxury of just tying it off at a dock we got to get it away from the dock sometimes because the storm will beat it against it so we have to do all kinds of sea anchors and things such as that and i don't i'm not a sailor so i don't know these things but i've always been intrigued by how that's done well that's us as caregivers and we don't get the luxury of just having a nice little tie off and okay we're good Usually there's seventeen things, you know, blowing at us, and and rain is pelting our face, and we're, we're having a hard time being able to see while we're trying to scramble to to anchor ourselves. But I found that for for me as a caregiver, it doesn't really have to be something very complicated to anchor myself. And and during this time in Denver, I did something. Now I live in Montana but I grew up in the South. I'm a child of the South. I was born in South Carolina and I spent uh, all my life in the South. i spent 35 years living in Nashville. I love Waffle House. I am proud to admit that. I love it. I'm not sure I want to be friends with people that don't love Waffle House. <laughs> I love Waffle House. And there's a Waffle House that is right near where we used to live it was just right across the interstate we would go over there maybe a mile and a half away tops and the same crew worked there for years in fact most of them are still there one of them's been there for 40 years we went over there with our kids when they were just little kids and now we still go over there in fact i was just back in nashville during this time while gracie's been in the hospital and i had to go on a marathon trip to take our car and our dogs to our son who still lives there and we went to that same waffle house I love Waffle House. So while I was in Denver with this surgery with Gracie, where they have Waffle Houses in Denver, they don't have one in the entire state of Montana. We don't have a Chick-fil-A. We don't have an In-N-Out Burger. We don't have a Waffle House. It's tough sometimes (laughs) for a Southern boy. And I went into this Waffle House. And all I didn't know anybody there, but it all felt familiar. The sights, the smells, the taste, the, 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 the clanging around. I could close my eyes and I was sitting with my wife and my kids back in that familiar Waffle House in Nashville. I could tell how they ordered out the, 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 the pull one bacon, you know, that kind of stuff. And I ordered, you know, scattered, smothered, diced for my hash browns, extra crispy. And for just a few moments, I felt connected. It anchored me. Something familiar. Waffle House. And I got a takeout order and, and took it over to the hospital to share it with Gracie, which when I show up with Waffle House you know, at the hospital, I mean, I get, I get a big smile. We can't always change the disorienting circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we're going to be there. We're going to find those places that we are just all over the map. But we can find new ways to connect to things that settle our hearts. We may have to be a little bit creative. That's all right. We're creative, resourceful people. We caregivers are. But, you know, sometimes it's something as simple as a Waffle House. Now, in Gracie's case, there's always pecans involved. I mean, how many of you all like, to go to Waffle House and get one with pecans. Now, Gracie likes it with pecans and chocolate chip. Uh, by the time she's done with it, it's more of a cake, but that's what she likes. But I I can't explain it any better than that, that I just went in there and during all the unsettledness, I just went into a Waffle House and it felt like home. It felt comfortable. It felt like, I was connected. Trace Atkins, you know, the country, he's got that big old deep voice. And uh, I really like him a lot. He seems to be a great guy. I don't know him, but uh, I really like him a lot uh, his music and just what I've seen of him. But he had a great quote. He said, I've always loved Waffle House. I try to imitate him. I can't do it. I can't get down that low. He's down in the basement. He said, I've always loved Waffle House. It's been like an oasis in the desert many times late at night after one of my concerts. Isn't that a great quote? What can you find in your life right now in whatever craziness is going on that settles you down, that just connects you? Maybe it's something as simple as a Waffle House. Maybe it's a park that you like and you just need to stop by and just sit there for a moment. I looked at the the geese. There's a lot of them there at the hospital. And they were they're hanging out, and I just sit and look at them for a few minutes. Whatever it is, find something that connects you and settles your heart down. This is hope for the caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. We'll be right back. There's more to go.
1: Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. Do you know it's been three years since Eight Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that Eight Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com.
2: It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers. To objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word, and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday school class or study group, and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation, DVDs, and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. If you want to be a part of the program, if you've got thoughts, you got comments, you want us to address something specifically on the show, go to hopeforthecaregiver.com. There's a little form there. You can fill it out. And if you want me to even call you from the program, put your number in there and we'll do the best we can with that. But we'll certainly talk about uh, what's on your heart and address it to the best of our abilities. Hope for the Caregiver. Dot com. This program is for you as a family caregiver. Please take advantage of it. I love what we get to do here, and I didn't have anything like this, and, um, and there really is still no other program like that. This. this is the program. This is the show for the family caregivers. Other places may give you tips and so forth. I don't do tips, uh, not very often. I speak straight to the heart of a caregiver to help us settle down a little bit so that we can live a calmer, healthier and dare I say it, a more joyful life. I'm going to step over to the caregiver keyboard here for a moment, and I'm going to play a song. You know how much I love these hymns. So let me tell you first off, let me tell you about this guy. His name is Dr. Ray Palmer. You ever heard of him? You ever heard of Dr. Ray Palmer? Um, he was back in the, uh, in the 1800s, and he wrote this poem. And he took it to this guy named Doctor Lowell Mason. Now Ray Palmer had his doctorate in theology. Lowell Mason had his doctorate in music, and Lowell Mason's called the father of American church music. Now he wrote a lot of great hymns that you probably know. "Near, my God, to Thee," uh, "Blessed be the tie that binds," uh, "When I survey the wondrous cross." Isaac Watts wrote that lyric, but Lowell Mason wrote that amazing tune. Da, 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 I mean, it's just—it was kind of—it was. Um, it was kind of a uh, an American tune kind of thing that he adapted for that song. And when Lowell Mason heard, uh, he, he Ray Palmer gave him the lyrics. I mean, he gave it his little notepad. Um, he had a leather notebook or something and he gave it to him and he took it home and he looked at it and he was like so moved and he went and wrote this tune, which is called Olivet. And it's the only tune that, has accompanied these amazing lyrics. And so I wanted to play this for you today to present this hymn as something that can sustain you during some difficult times, to speak to your heart. You all know how much I love the hymns, and I get so many letters and emails and texts and phone calls from you all about how much you love them. This audience loves hymns. And so I want to continue to reinforce how important they are to us as caregivers. There's text that, that has dust on them in churches all over America that people are just ignoring. But they have such a wealth of riches to sustain us during some, some very difficult times. Listen to this lyric right here. While life's dark maze I tread, and griefs around me spread, be thou my guide. Bid darkness turn to day. Wipe sorrow's tears away. Nor let me ever stray from thee aside. Does that sound like something that you've cried out in your caregiving journey? Yes, he says it beautifully with great poetic um, grace in ways that I could never say it. I, I can't write very good lyrics. I've written quite a few songs, and I, I do better with the music part of it, because I'll write stuff like to care, to share, to be there, I have great hair, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm not a very good lyricist. Well, evidently, Ray Palmer was. While life's dark maze I tread, and griefs around me spread, be thou my God. Mid darkness turn today, wipe sorrow's tears away, nor let me ever stray from the aside now here's the tune that you may recognize with this and i wanted to play this for you in just a minute so i'll step over here to the caregiver keyboard <laughs> hymn is, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. And it's such an amazing tune. Thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine, now hear me while I pray. Take all my guilt away. Oh, let me from this day be holy thine. May thy rich grace impart strength to my fainting heart. How many of you all feel like you have a fainting heart today? If you've been a caregiver for any length of time, you understand that concept, my fainting heart, but he says, "My, he says, may thy rich grace impart strength to my fainting heart, my zeal inspire." <laughs> Does your zeal need inspiration? As thou hast died for me, oh, may my love to thee, pure, warm, and changeless, be a living fire. Well, Doctor Palmer really he hit it out of the park with this one, and. The last verse as well, listen to this, when ends life transient dream, when death's cold sullen stream shall over me roll, bless Savior, then in love, fear and distrust remove, O oh, bear me safe above a ransomed soul. There are a lot of songs out there that talk about comfort and feeling and 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 very introspective and kind of self actualization and, and all that kind of stuff, and they're great songs. I, there's a, there's some wonderful songs out there, but these old hymns say things in a way that get right to the core because they were they were written out of they weren't trying to write a hit song, they weren't trying to write something clever. They were struggling with something, and they wanted to make it um, singable but relatable to the people who, who desperately needed something to cling to as they struggled themselves. And we owe a great debt. And I look at some of the things that, that you see out there um, in, in contemporary Christian music, for example, wonderful things. But this is corporate worship when you sing a hymn like this. This is when the congregation came together and said, While life's dark maze I tread and griefs around me spread. And they would sing it in four-part harmony. And the blending of voices, of the you cannot, you cannot underestimate. Wait a minute. You cannot, I to sound like George W. Bush. You cannot misunderestimate. You cannot overestimate the importance of a corporate worship singing of hymns together. You cannot dismiss how important that is. And we've gotten away from that. And maybe this is the only time throughout your week that you hear somebody talk about these sort of things. And you think, gosh, this is a show for caregivers. Well, this is how I do it as a caregiver. This is how I do it. I go, whether I'm going to Waffle House or I'm going to the piano, I'm connecting myself to anchor myself, to settle myself down. If you're just joining in the A Block, we talked about Waffle House and and my love for Waffle House, and I make no apologies for it. I love me some Waffle House. but, But our souls are so troubled. And Dr. Palmer, Dr. Ray Palmer, who wrote this wonderful text, while life's dark maze I tread, and griefs around me spread. Be thou my God. How many of us feel like we're in a dark maze and griefs are spread all around us? We understand that as caregivers, don't we? Bid darkness turn today, wipe sorrow's tears away, nor let me ever stray from thee aside anchoring ourselves. And if you go back and look in Psalms, when David cried these things out, very similar to these kinds of thoughts and these kinds of sentiments that he's feeling. Jeremiah did the same thing, but they would constantly remind themselves where safe ground is, where safe harbor is. Remember, we talked about that in in the last block of, you know, when, when you're trying to anchor yourself in the midst of a storm, And settle yourself down so that you can think clearer, so that you can be a little bit more in tuned, so that you can better speak into the craziness that we find ourselves in as caregivers. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary. I love this hymn, and evidently, Lowell Mason, who wrote 1,600 hymns at least, the father of American church music. And a lot of times, if you notice in the hymnal, they'll have this text with a particular tune and they'll do it several different tunes with that text. This text of My Faith Looks Up to Thee and this particular tune that Lowell Mason wrote were never used for anything else. It just, it just hand in glove. They were made for each other because this very elegant, stately melody that says this beautiful lyric, My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary. Savior divine, now hear me while I pray. Take all my guilt away. Oh, let me from this day be wholly thine. I don't know who needed to hear this today, but I know I needed to hear it. And I go to the piano and the keyboard and I play these songs for myself to strengthen my own heart. When Gracie and I are in the hospital, these are the hymns that we sing. And when we're in dire circumstances, this is what we sing. So I wanted to give these to you. My faith looks up to thee. Take a look at it, the hymnal. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back.
3: is jan markell and next on understanding the times radio we talk about deception in these last days should you be choosing the chosen film series is there such a thing as covid deception are we paying heed to all the verses that say see that no one deceives you that's next on understanding the times radio
1: saturday afternoon at one central and sunday afternoon at noon central on american family radio
2: Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time, be there.
0: Dr. Ligon Duncan from the American Family Studio's documentary, The God Who Speaks. The Bible is inspired because its nature is the self-revelation of God. In other words, the authority of the Bible is the authority of God. Behind your doctrine of Scripture is a doctrine of God. The product of Scripture is the activity of God. The, the Scripture is the product of God the Holy Spirit which is why God the Holy Spirit uses it in conversion and in sanctification. So what we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. And because we believe God to be the
2: author of the Bible, we talk about the quality of the Bible as inspired or God-breathed. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org
0: scared of the truth Cause our regulations five And I didn't see the food I don't know what else to do I don't know what else to say So I hit my knees to pray God take this thing away i I'm angry And I don't really care what they say I don't really care what they say I'm angry Nobody better get in my way That's Lecrae from his record Rehab the Overdose That is Anger Management And we're going to talk about what that song is saying today. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. After last week's program, I got a note from a friend who asked me to talk about lashing out as a caregiver and the anger that comes over us. And we've been talking about, you know, for the last couple of weeks, various hymns that strengthen our hearts that speak to that fear in us. You know, when, when uh, last week we did a mighty fortress, we talked about that spine stiffening song that, that text that that helps us to face these terrible, terrible things that we have to face. And then in the last block, we talked about my faith looks up to the and, and how it sustains us in these places. But, you know, the the dark side of that fear is that it produces anger and rage and the shame and all of these things that add to it. You know, you can see um so much of this on display in our culture but nowhere was it more visible than what just happened at the oscars and you saw will smith at first he was laughing at the joke that chris rock told if you saw this and i don't know if that chris rock knew that will smith's wife had alopecia and she's losing her hair and this has been a very difficult thing but they've also had an enormous amount of public conversations about their open marriage and a lot of different things going on with this couple and if you look at the the clip of it you'll see Will Smith is laughing and then he he you see the face of his wife and she looks over at him and the disapproval that comes up and that's when he got up to go do what he did which was assault Chris Rock now I'm not going to get in all the nuances that but I think that John Nolte at Breitbart said it best. All those decades, all that work, and then at the very moment of his career triumph, when he gets an Oscar for Best Actor, he drops his pants to reveal a eunuch, the ultimate insecure man, a cuckold who sticks with a woman who serially humiliates him, an insecure bully who takes his public humiliation out on smaller men. And this is what happened this is, that is an exact representation of what happened. He has been serially humiliated by his wife, and she has whatever hold on him or whatever it is. I don't know. But that shame, that rage, all of a sudden just erupted. And he did what he did, and he just absolutely torpedoed his career and his life. Um, and he'll never be the same from this. What about us as caregivers? Now, we don't do this on a public stage like he did but let's not kid ourselves each one of us possess great frustration that seeds in our hearts and turns often to rage and we lash out we'll lash out sometimes at our loved ones we'll lash out at people other people or or a security guard that's that's just wearing us out been there done that you can read about it an article i wrote about the tsa i think what happens is we feel so helpless that by the way i wrote the article not the tsa just for but i when i go into airports particularly when i'm pushing gracie in a wheelchair and i see all the craziness that they make us go through and and you you just feel it well up within you and you want to lash out we were at the hospital the other day and I took Gracie down to the piano in this huge lobby. Nobody was around us. I had permission to play the piano in the lobby. I had to audition for it. And we went down there and I was gonna to listen to her sing. It's the first time she's been out of the room like this. And we, we went down, and I pushed her in a wheelchair and she went down and sat by the, the piano there in a wheelchair and she was facing me, we both had on masks. Nobody was anywhere near us. And one of the staff members that there went and told, that Gracie was singing. And they came and told us that she, could, she wasn't allowed to sing because of COVID. And it puts particles in air, we have to follow the science. Well now, that same science also is causing a great deal of confusion among some of these people about what a man and a woman is, but we'll have that discussion another time. But the point is, I'm sitting there with this woman who's been in the hospital for two months and singing softly. To me through her mask facing away from not even near anybody and we can't do it now what do you think that caused me to feel we do lash out i didn't lash out i wanted to i just got to close the piano walked away but because i'm getting too old sometimes but to fight every battle but i can understand that and so can you there are stupid things that hit us that fly all over us it seems like we keep It together for the big things, but on the stupid things, we lose it. And I cringe when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. I mean, I cringe over it. But I remember years ago, one time, we just got home from the hospital. We've been at the hospital all day with some tests. We weren't planning on going to the hospital, it was just one of those things that came. We had to go through all these tests. I was so tired. We needed to make dinner for the kids. Gracie was in her wheelchair. Uh, in the kitchen, and she said, do you want me to help make dinner? And I smacked the kitchen cabinet door, slammed it shut, and I said, no, I'll do it. I have to be in control of something. I, I, I cringe to tell you that. Such is the journey of a caregiver. Will Rogers said, people who fly into rage... Always make a bad landing. (laughs) You get that feeling? Listen to this quote from Herman Melville, from Moby Dick. He piled upon the whale's white hump the sum of all the general rage and hate felt by his whole race from Adam down. And then, as if his chest had been a mortar, he burst his hot heart shell upon it. We will fixate upon things and then pile all of our rage on things. And you saw this happen right there in front of the world with Will Smith. The rage he felt at what he was personally going through in his relationship with his wife. He poured it all out on Chris Rock in front of the world. How many of us now before we judge Will Smith I'm not I'm not here to do that. <clears throat> now this is not a postmortem on Will Smith's behavior it is a teachable moment for all of us. Because we all live with fear and shame and guilt and that stuff's going to come out as rage if we don't deal with it. So I appreciate this suggestion from my friend that we talk about this very very difficult issue and I appreciate this song from Lecrae. Listen to these lyrics. I'm angry and I don't really care what they say. I'm angry. Nobody better get in my way. I'm angry. I'm fighting. I'm busting. I'm popping. I'm caught up in a rage. Man, somebody better stop me. I'm angry. I'm hating. I'm pushing, I'm shoving. Somebody better get me because I'm about to do something. I'm angry. And I, I listen to this verse. Been up all night, got me feeling weak. No sleep on the first day of a long week. I guess I'm still in school. These people testing me for disrespecting me. I will respond aggressively. A long day, short views. in the worst mood, my temper red hot. Does that describe you as a caregiver? It certainly describes me as a caregiver many times. And there are times when the fear in me, and sometimes the shame and the guilt, well up so powerful it just comes, I can't see straight. You can't be a caregiver for any length of time and not go through this. So what do we do? How do we deal with this? Well, let's go back to scripture. James 1, 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now there are things in this world and things in our life that are worth getting angry about but not raging about, and there is a proper place for this. I think it was more than acceptable for Will Smith and his wife to feel a bit of anger about being poked fun of, like Chris Rock did. He's made fun of people for a long time. It's a good thing they didn't go to a Don Rickles show, but I think there's there's always an opportunity to feel a bit of indignation But how we act on it is different. And as caregivers, we have to understand we are already at the breaking point. On any given day, we are tired. We are weak. We are frustrated. Just like it says in that song that Lecrae, you know, been up all night and feeling weak. This is the way we are as caregivers. You know, but anger is one thing. Rage is another. Uncontrolled, unreasonable rage. Rage. And this is where we as caregivers must guard our hearts. Look at this scripture from Ezra 9.6. And I said, my God, I am ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, my God, for our wrongful deeds have risen above our heads and our guilt has grown even to the heavens. You ever prayed like that? Ezra was under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit, so it sounds a whole lot better and more poetic the way he wrote it, better than anything I've ever prayed. But the sentiment's still the same. I'm too humiliated to even look up. You show me a man or a woman that lashes out in rage, and I'll show you somebody who is tormented by fear, shame, and or guilt, but usually all of the above. So rather than cluck our tongues at Will Smith's behavior at the Oscars and somehow say, well, I thank thee, Lord, that I'm not like that guy, well, We haven't been nominated for Best Actor. We haven't lived his life. But I understand the out-of-control feelings that erupted over him, that he somehow felt like this was a good idea to go up and do this. And if you told him 10 years ago, hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get nominated for Best Actor. And at the peak of your career, you're going to go up on stage and slug a guy and start yelling obscenities from the floor of the Academy Awards. He'd have never believed you. But you know what? How many of us would never believe some of the things that we've done? So let's just learn from this and let's explore this together. Let's go deeper into this. What do we do with all these feelings in us? How can we confront them so that no matter what happens with our loved one, with the TSA, with some guy that comes and doesn't want us to sing at the piano, whatever stupid stuff we got to deal with, that we do not lash out. This is something we can explore as believers. It is right there in Scripture, and we're going to talk about this when we come back. This is hope for the caregiver, the belief that we can live calmer and healthier and, dare I say it, more joyful. As a caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. We'll be right back.
3: Have you ever struggled to trust God when lousy things happen to you? I'm Gracie Rosenberger, and in 1983, I experienced a horrific car accident leading to 80 surgeries and both legs amputated. I questioned why God allowed something so brutal to happen to me, but over time, my questions changed and I discovered courage to trust God. That understanding, along with an appreciation for quality prosthetic limbs, led me to establish Standing with Hope. For more than a dozen years, we've been working with the government of Ghana and West Africa, equipping and training local workers to build and maintain quality prosthetic limbs for their own people. On a regular basis, we purchase and ship equipment and supplies, and with the help of inmates and in a Prison. We also recycle parts from donated limbs. All of this is to point others to Christ, the source of my hope and strength. Please visit standingwithhope.com to learn more and participate in lifting others up. That's standingwithhope.com. I'm Gracie, and I
2: am Standing with Hope. The Bible teaches us to count it all joy when we face trouble or persecution. How can we find real joy in times of trouble? Hello, I'm Sam Rohrer with another Stand in the Gap Minute. This week we've looked at the persecution that we should expect as believers and how to respond to it. But James 1.2 adds that we're to count it all joy. But why? Well, the verse adds that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness or resilience. When we experience suffering, we build our endurance. Just as exercise builds the strength of our physical body, persecution strengthens our spirit. A workout may not feel like fun at the time, but consistent effort leads to much improvement. In a similar way, consistently facing persecution with joy deepens our faith and makes us more effective in living for God. So don't fear persecution. Count it all joy today. Discover more at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net.
0: Welcome back to Home for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. How are you doing? How are you feeling? That's Keith Green. You put this love in my heart. Perfect love, cast out fear, scripture tells us. And we're talking about fear and guilt and the shame and things that launch us into these uncontrollable lashing out moments of rage and dysfunction. Sometimes we lash out at ourselves and that becomes despair. And I wanted to spend a little bit more time on this. A friend of mine uh, sent a text to me and said, look, can you talk about this, about lashing out? And I said, yeah, I can't. Because, <laughs> you know, again, I am the wily coyote of caregivers. I have had more anvils dropped on me, more pianos dropped on me, run into more painted tunnels on a wall. <laughs> I mean, you know, I have I have failed on every level. And so this is something that I want to spend a little bit more time with in this block And I'm going to read some scriptures to you. You know, and of course the context is when we lash out based on fear, based on shame, and based on guilt. And usually it's a combination of all of the above. Um, We feel uh, indignant over offenses. And that's okay. Some things are worth feeling indignant about. But when we lash out, out of... These things, and, and sometimes it's great, just great weariness, and, and just, I've had enough of you people, and you think a little bit more of what you're entitled to, and I'll tell you a perfect example in Scripture. Moses, go back and look at Numbers 20, verse 7, and God spoke to Moses, take the staff, assemble the community, you and your brother Aaron, speak to that rock that's right in front of them, he said, speak to that rock that's right in front of them, and it will give water. You will bring water out of the rock for them. Congregation and cattle will both drink. Moses took the staff away from God's presence. As commanded, he and Aaron rounded up the whole congregation in front of the rock. And Moses spoke. Now listen to what he said. Listen, rebels. Do we have to bring water out of this rock for you? And with that, Moses raised his arm and slammed his staff against the rock once, twice. Water poured out congregation, and cattle drank. God said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust me, didn't treat me with holy reverence in front of the people of Israel, you two aren't going to lead this company into the land that I'm giving them. Now, I read that from the message. Sometimes it's a little easier to understand it. But God told him to speak to the rock. Moses got upset. He got mad. He lashed out and he slammed the rock. Hit it twice and God said oh Moses he lashed out and it cost him it cost him it cost him the promised land but he said you didn't trust me you didn't trust me and didn't treat me with holy reverence in front of the people of Israel so it always comes back down to trusting God And when we are lashing out, we're saying, we'll do it ourselves. We don't trust him. We don't trust him with this loved one who keeps asking the same question over and over and over and over and over. We don't trust him to work with this individual who is behaving poorly and being ungrateful or irritating or in many cases, and I've heard this more times than I want to recall cursing at you while you're trying to take care of them now we do have a breaking point we do have a limit to how much we can take but see that's the point we we need to see that limit and recognize that we really can't do this on our own and a lot of times god will let us get to the point where we just reach our our limit and we say i can't do this anymore and we say, yeah. And God says, yeah, you're right. You never could. That's the point. We're not doing it under our own strength. And that's the problem for us, I think, as caregivers. We are extremely capable people. We're highly resourceful. I often say that we're high-functioning multitaskers. We can do a lot of things. And it gives us the illusion that somehow we can be in control of something. But there's nothing like taking care of somebody with an illness and an impairment and a dysfunction and a disability for a couple of decades to expose how little control you have of anything. And that's when we go to our knees and realize, oh, wait a minute. Do we trust Him? Do we trust Him? Now, here's listen to this in Isaiah. Fifty, verse seven. But the Lord God helps me; therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. Do you Do you resonate with that? He helps you, and therefore I have not been disgraced. Do you set your face like flint? This is what we do as caregivers we get to the point where we realize we cannot do this and we are trusting in God on this and we set our face like flint. Instead of your shame, Isaiah 61, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore in the land they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. God is in the business of replacing shame with joy and honor. And that's what the cross is all about. Christ despised the shame of the cross in order that we wouldn't have to experience that and we can plunge ourselves into that. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Romans 10.1 For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. Psalm 31, 17, O oh Lord, let me not put to sh- be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol, but I'm going to call on you. And we can do this as caregivers. We can do this in the midst of whatever. And again, I offer this disclaimer. You know, there's a disclaimer at the end of the broadcast from the network. The views of the opinions of this i've been threatened to put one on here for years this is the views and opinions expressed by the host of this program are not things that he owns but that is being worked out in him over a long period of time and a lot of failure but now i see that path okay and i head towards that that's solid ground so in the midst of all this craziness that we deal with and you are going to lash out. Make no mistake about this. If you haven't, give it some time. And some of you are even lashing out at yourself. In fact, most of us do. A buddy mine told me he said, "You know, I wouldn't hang around somebody who treats me as bad as I treat myself." Some of you are lashing out at yourself. Let's take all this to where it belongs. The only place that it can be dealt with, and that's the cross. So then we can, like Paul said in Galatians 2.20, that's what this verse means. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body as a caregiver. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now listen to the way Lecrae says it in that song that I played at the last block coming in. In this hip-hop song, he said, I'm angry, and I don't really care what they say. This is anger management. Then he says, I would die for my respect, but I got no humility. And Jesus paid my debt while I reject Him willingly. Man, I got some nerve holding anger in my heart. The Father could have come and served me that beef up a la carte. Not to mention torture, Jesus took all my misfortune. I have been freed from the law but I'm serving these court orders. Unforgiveness is my pedigree. You say you're sorry, better be. Better being mad at you than trying to be a better me. Ain't nothing in my work in trying to demonstrate his worth. And though he showed me plenty of grace, I don't extend to other persons. And that anger led to murder. When you pull up that murder scene, it's Jesus nailed upon the cross. Yeah, that murderer was me. Then he goes on, 1 Peter 2.23, Man, when they used to hurl insults at Jesus, he didn't retaliate. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. The gospel manages our anger. You feel me? The solution is to gain a heart that's thankful for grace in Jesus Christ. Well said, don't you think? This is how we do it. When you find yourself lashing out, Understand that you're in a host of people who've done the same, but you are not in bondage to that. And He will not only equip you to walk through this, He will give you the grace and the strength to make amends and to learn from this. And He will reach into all of that guilt, all that shame, all that fear, all that indignation, all of that weariness, every bit of this. He will touch all of that and flip it in a way that makes sense for his glory so that you can walk in freedom in this. Even Moses, after God said, You're not going to the promised land, he accepted God's provision of that and had the grace to walk that out for his own punishment, his own consequences of his anger of his lashing out if you are beating yourself without mercy right now if you're lashing out at yourself over your lashing out understand this great grace in christ and he will walk with you through this these scriptures mean something this wonderful artist lecrae got this and he wrote this in this great great text that he said The gospel manages our anger. You feel me? The solution is to gain a heart that's thankful for the grace in Jesus Christ. And that's the solution. And that is hope for the caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll see you next week.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.